0: Welcome to episode 249 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now, joining me on today's episode is the film director, the amazing Jamie Adams. You'll know him from films in the past, such as Black Mountain Poets, Love Spreads, and today we focus purely on his brand new film, She Is Love. This film for me is absolutely brilliant. I'm not going to go into the plot because I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but it stars the absolutely amazing Hayley Bennett. You'll know her from films such as The Girl on the Train and The Magnificent Seven. Not only that, she stars alongside the amazing Sam Riley from Free Fire, On the Road and Control. But the film is absolutely brilliant. I can't wait for people to go and see it and genuinely, you will absolutely adore the performances. They're so naturalistic, and Sam and Hayley together, the chemistry is like nothing else. It blends that kind of comedy and drama brilliantly, and for me, it's just a brilliant film. So to know I get to sit down with Jamie and talk about the film in more detail, and filmmaking and everything else that comes up, is brilliant. And that interview will be coming up in just a couple of moments' time. But on the Mark and Me podcast, I always like to use the intro to touch base and basically talk about my last episode. It only came out a few days ago and it was also with another film director, Andy Mitten. We got to sit down on that interview and talk all about his brand new film, The Harbinger. This film is out now and honestly, the response was amazing. Andy was brilliant and I just want to say a massive thanks to everyone that tuned in and to Andy for sharing the episode on social media. The numbers were fantastic and I've seen people that have now gone and checked out The Harbinger and fell in love with that film. And I hope you do that today during today's interview. But I think the best thing to do right now is to get to the interview with me and Jamie. We talk all about She is Love which is out on the 3rd of February across all digital platforms and in cinemas and please go and check it out. So now let's hear about it more from the man himself. So here's me and Jamie talking all things film. So Jamie, thanks for taking the time to join me today on the Mark and Me podcast.
1: Uh, No problem at all. No, excited to be here. Thanks for asking me.
0: Jamie, what i like to do for anyone that might have discovered your work for the first time by listening today is take it right back to the very early days. So talk to me when you were a kid. What were those first kind of videos you maybe rented or your family introduced you to? That made you fall in love with film? Was it a certain film or actor or something that just kind of caught your attention? <laughs>
1: uh, good question. Um, I'm a, I'm I'm an '80s child, so it's a it's the video shop generation. We didn't really have um, a cinema too close to home, um, and in fact, that was that was interesting to me when I was in my teenage years. I was always wondering, you know, where did this love of cinema come from? I didn't really appreciate that the video shop was this kind of like incredible. A resource that uh, that we would go to sort of twice a week, you know. Um, but that's that's where it all started, you know. The I wish it was still there. The idea of going somewhere just be able to stare at all these incredible sort of images of movie stars in far off sort of galaxies and so on, you know. But um, I suppose uh, <laughs> it'll have to be Moonwalker. That was the oh the wow te- the terrible Michael Jackson movie, really um,
0: terrible, but so bad it's good.
1: Yeah, well, as a kid, you don't know that it's—you just know it's Michael Jackson, and and uh, he was still fine then, and uh, and you know, he—it was absolutely—it was just—it blew my mind that it, you know, a film could be all those different things. I also recognized as a kid that they were like, it was there was rather random moments in it as well, and there was a bit too much sort of gunplay for the fact that it was meant to be like a family thing i think I need to
0: revisit that because i haven't watched it since i was a kid and i remember getting the sega mega drive game of it as well and being obsessed yeah. with like how great is this and you get him to moonwalk and throw his hat and kill people and stuff and i was like this is great but <laughs> I, I can't I, I can't remember the film very well. i remember like super mario brothers the movie coming out as well and all these kind of films that were bad but but bad in a good way
1: it was it's a film uh of, of several vignettes you know there's not there's not really a through line it was just seemed to be random ideas that he had <laughs> which which reminds me i discovered a new paul mccartney film the other day welcome to broad or oh, give my love to broad street or oh, come remember exactly the full name but um it was a paul mccartney film i'd never seen that he made in the 80s and again it's just it's like paul mccartney's films were just a random bunch of ideas like magical mystery tour and and so on so I feel, I don't know, maybe, maybe him and Michael had a chat in the 80s and they both came up with these, you know, who can out, out, uh, do each other in terms of randomness. You, um, you
0: can't tell me, though, on this interview that is the reason you started making films. Well,
1: it, it, I watched it over and over and over again. That's when I got fascinated with, with film, Was you know, you'd watch your Who Framed Roger Rabbit and you'd watch your, you know, all the kind of Back to the Future and all that kind of stuff. But there was something about Moonwalker and the fact that it was so alternative that it didn't seem to follow any it was arthouse really when I look at it now. It's like yeah. there's there's no there's no real plot. There's no real character development of any kind. It is just a bunch of ideas that he wanted to explore. And uh and so maybe it's the first art house film that I watched and and I do gravitate toward, you know, kind of uh, filmmakers you know, try and express something that's truly them, and I think that's what that film did. But if it's if it's beyond that, if it's really catching the bug to a point where I'm starting to create my own films on paper, I was I used to be into fantasy football quite a lot in my sort of when I was twelve years old, and uh, then I started to do this own little fantasy film thing on my own, which is when I knew it was very specifically a thing that I was loving and not really everyone else. It was when I watched um, Jurassic Park when I was twelve. At the uh That was one of the times we did go to the cinema. And uh I went three times to that. I made sure my mates at their birthdays, I was like, what you want to do is you want to take us to see Jurassic Park. Incredible. <laughs> like, even if they didn't want to go to the cinema, I was like, that's what you want to do. It'd be great. Forget um, bowling
0: and laser quest. You want to go and see a T-Rex on the biggest screen you can at the Odeon.
1: It was honestly, uh, poor Talbot cinema. It was not the Odeon. It was no. not big. It's not a big screen. We're talking like, you know, 60 inch screens you can get now at home. It wasn't very big, but it was, as i said rarely went to the cinema so to go and then to see dinosaurs like that and i mean it was it was just absolutely I, I, the music just everything about that film just made me go this is insane this is and this is something i think that's when i recognized this is something people do it wasn't just like magic cassettes turning up at a video shop there was actually people involved in this and uh and then i started to like sort of we had sky cinema then as well i remember it wasn't called that then but anyway, we, we had Sky for the first time and I started to write down all the director of photographies and all the production designers and all that kind of stuff. So I'd make a list of all of those people I thought were good from good films. And then I started to make up movies and like, who would I have as DOP for this and all that kind of stuff? But, you know, so, yeah,
0: I love that. That's very uh, different, especially if it came from doing the fancy football.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was the idea that all the lads at school thought fancy football was fine. That wasn't a problem. So I was like, well, why why is making up films a problem then? You know, that for me, that was like, well, that's legitimized it. Me sitting on my own, <laughs> my, with my book and my pen just going through.
0: So was it a case then that you took it into education? Were you able to study film school or do anything at kind of college or uni or anything? How did it come about?
1: Uh, I think then I started to recognize that people like Kevin Smith was saying things like they went to film school, or even though he dropped out. Um, And in fact, he did say Vancouver Film School. And I mean, I was reading Rebel Without a Crew as well by Robert Rodriguez at the time. This is all, when I say at the time, this is between 1992 and 1995. And obviously Tarantino burst onto the scene. He was a video shop guy. It it all kind of was just making me more and more excited by the opportunities of, like, this is possible for people. You don't have to be any specific kind of person. You can literally just be passionate about it and, and... So I started making short films then with my pals, uh, even though they didn't really care about they just want to go play football. But I made them be in these early short films of mine, which are looking back now, they're just (laughs) completely horrendous. But at least I was starting to understand what an establishing shot was. You had a
0: vision, didn't you?
1: I just had this idea that, you know, you better get started. You better get to work, especially when you read Rebel Without a Crew. It, It was all about Rodriguez just saying, you know, you can't wait around. You've got to you know, you just got to pick up a camera and whoever you've got around you. And I think he made a short film before um, El Mariachi with his cousin. Um, so it was just like, yeah, I was like, all right. So you don't even need actors. You just need to have an idea and start shooting it. And obviously Kevin Smith, you've had on your show, he, you know, to get a credit card and to be, you know, just to go and do that. It, it was, a. It was, they were all very inspiring people. And that's kind of what I did. And then I realized there were places you could go That would be helpful there'd be other people there that would be on the same wavelength as you and I never thought of going to university no one in my family ever went to university um and so uh, I found a few courses that that um that I thought I could get into and that's what I pursued.
0: That's amazing and you're from South Wales
1: aren't you? Yeah from Porthgall it's a small seaside town I'm
0: in Shropshire, so I quite often go to uh, Wales quite a lot and I'm always in sort of places like Pembrokeshire and Tenby and all these places. Oh, it's um, lovely. Yeah, but yeah. I but I understand obviously and I mean this with full respect, there's not as many opportunities because there's not these big film academies or film schools. So it's kind of you've got to get up on your own and have that oomph and drive and passion to wanna to do it because it's not Hollywood, it's not Hollywood, is it? It's not London.
1: There's not there's there's um I think as the years have gone on, more and more people obviously are aware of, of you know what film making is, and and especially locally, there's way more courses now, and yeah, there's there's short film schemes and all this kind of stuff. But back in back in my day, back in the nineties, I mean, we had it's called Screen Wales. It's now film, um Film Cymru Wales, but it's just I mean, they had one short film scheme that anybody from the age of you know sixteen to however old. You are, you know, he's from all ages. And then I think they made six films and that was it. So it was like, if you didn't get on that, then you were just making films on your own, on your own accord. And uh, yeah, it was, it felt, you did feel alone, to be honest. And I think that's why when I was 17, I mean, I wasn't allowed out later than, you know, half eight in the winter or whatever. I was a very sheltered child. and uh, But yet my parents completely agreed to me and my mate going to London Film Festival. (laughs) <laughs> um and when i think about it now i'd love to talk crazy, to them about, isn't it? i'd love to talk to them about what they thought they were doing but they they literally it was they must have understood how important it was I, I must have carried on and on about it and i think they must have thought it was an enclosed festival so it wasn't just all around all in the city. one room or something yeah. <laughs> yeah like they they definitely didn't have a clue about it being just sporadically around you know cinemas around mm-hmm. london but that was an incredible. I mean, that was beyond that experience for me as a seventeen year old. Like going to that, and getting in that environment, being so close to uh, like the, you know the actual actors and and filmmakers being at the screenings that you're going to, and uh, yeah, it was it just blew my mind. And I came away with this program. I don't think they do it anymore, which is like more of an extensive program that you used to be able to buy, and it would have for every film, it would have the production companies like telephone number and it would have the producers and their contacts and so all this kind of stuff and i still i still got it because i took it everywhere with me from that moment because i was like this is the bible this is like, yeah
0: this is like got all the details i ever need
1: it's like everybody who makes films is in this book thing you know and i was just like i think i only went with like 50 quid in my pocket and like blagged my way in and my mate into a few of the i remember we went to anthony hopkinsville we didn't have any money for and they just let us in because there was like at that time again, it was a different time. And if there were free seats and you know, you were eager kids, so they would let you in. But yeah, and I got this book. I think I spent most of my money on this book. Um, and a Steven Spielberg uh, CD ROM game, which was awful, didn't even work. <laughs> didn't even work. I had a Commodore sixty four, I don't know what I was thinking, it wasn't gonna work or that. I think how um, long um, that would have taken to load on the Commodore sixty four. <laughs> it was it was it was I, I was like, yeah, it was like, you know, totally not gonna work. But I, I was just in the mood for like, oh, this is part of filmmaking as well. But um, it was uh, it was magic, and then to go back last year is you know I've been ten years of making my feature films now, and for whatever reason I've I've taken films to London Film Festival as a producer, but generally my my uh, my films as a writer director have been uh, they've gone to South by Southwest uh, or Tribeca that more kind of an American probably because of the mumble call connection or some kind, but um yeah Patricia Tuttle to to really fall in love with She is Love and to to premiere that was just a, such a full circle moment with my, you know, I was 17 the first time I went there and then my eldest daughter's 17 now, you know, that's amazing. And it's like, well, Jesus Christ. I didn't think it was going to take that long. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, um, it was a magic moment. It truly was, took me right back.
0: So with She is Love, this idea, how did it come about for you? How was it about trying to get it greenlit and then obviously the response has been phenomenal. Every review I've read is very high praise. I've been lucky enough to see it. I loved it. The chemistry is unbelievable. The casting is incredible. But how did it all start? Obviously, I'm, I'm sure you're there with a pen and paper and trying to talk about experiences and try and put your heart into it yourself.
1: Um, It's, it's really interesting. I mean, generally they start with actors that I love. So yeah. I, I, I think like Sam Riley. I've been speaking to him um for a few years, um and and had him in mind um but it just never it was it, was, it wasn't happening um but with this idea it just hit at the right time and uh I, what did I see Haley in it was um I think it was Magnificent Seven or something silly like that but she's got an incredible performance in amongst all these uh, you know A list male actors and she's the one who steals the show in that movie. And, um, yeah, I just kind of started thinking of those two. And then uh, the, the kind of idea then comes from, I mean, all my ideas are personal. They're all, they're all from yeah. personal experiences. And generally, I can't deal too well with, with my own sort of life and, and issues and so on. So I try and um, make comedies. I try and, you know, kind of express Raff my...
0: out through other people
1: exactly and and in fact the improv the improv thing comes through comes from the idea of that was film school when i because i did eventually go to film school and um, that comes from uh not feeling comfortable with being able to write uh a full script in my own words you know dive. i found it disingenuous to be honest that um I, I, it's great the people that can do it and in all power to them but you know, the idea that you can sit there and write for every kind of character you know, that in a story, doesn't really make much sense to me. That seems quite arrogant. So, for me, from my own personal point of view, as I said, there are people that can do it, and that's incredible. Um, but I, I certainly didn't believe that I could, and so I started to work with actors on stories, and then through that, that process has developed to the point now where, um, it's my own specific way of working with improvisation and with actors, and and the story and the characters. You know, the characters take on their own life because the actors are bringing their own experiences with them um and through discussions and and uh rehearsal um we are you know the story starts to emerge in a more clear sense for all of us not from one perspective so i'll, I'll start with my story outline but it changes constantly because you want them to be bringing their uh you know the characters to life and, and therefore the characters to show us the way as much as anything else so I think I answered some of that question. No, definitely. And
0: <laughs> I suppose when you were on set and you had Sam, who you'd been talking to for a while, you'd seen Haley before and been a huge fan. Did it feel like a pinch me moment that actually was all finally happening and this hard work you put in, and I'm sure years of trying to get it over the line was actually there and you were watching Haley and Sam together. I mean, the chemistry between those two alone is just some of the best I've seen on screen for probably a decade.
1: I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. I mean, that's all testament to them. They are some they're of the phenomenal,
0: most, absolutely phenomenal.
1: They're, they're the most giving and sensitive and and uh, just courageous actors that I've I've had the opportunity to work with. And I've worked with some in, brilliantly talented people, um, but they they really did give me everything. They they I think through the the initial conversations that we had about this story and about these characters, I think there was a clear um, it was clear that we all had very passionate things that we wanted to say um, about the various themes and, and and subjects that we're dealing with. And um, and so, yeah, I could tell that, you know, as long as we were able to keep that trust and to keep that sincerity going, that we were going to come away with something really original and um, and kind of beautiful. And, and that's all you can hope for, really. I mean, it, we, we shoot these things in a week. You know, it's not like we have 28 days, which is your usual minimum for an indie film um so thank thankfully we do have these discussions this time beforehand and we do have um the the rehearsal but rehearsals all on zoom it's not like we have loads of money um I'm very grateful to to Signature for taking the leap and to you know through all my films for anybody that takes the the leap of faith to to fund a um an improv picture there aren't many places you can go to to I mean Mike Lee still struggles and he's won Oscars it's yeah it's it's um it's a very difficult landscape out there for for improv films improv-led films um so yeah it was it, i mean it's it just i'm still completely just so grateful and and just can't um yeah can't thank them enough really and they let us you know they guided us so brilliantly well and continue to do so and they they let us do our thing they they just believed in in us and and the way that we were headed and and um tried to give us everything that we you know could possibly need to do the story justice so um yeah they, they, those those actors i i landed completely and, and in fact it's quite, what's interesting about that is I, in retrospect i was looking at it, i was like they both came out with movies that i loved in 2007 which is uh, control oh, and, a great uh, and Haley came out with music and lyrics which is one of my all-time favorite films i i, I always straddle that sort of loving european cinema and 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 like the antonio of the world and so on with um with just like the best rom-coms ever you know and i think music and lyrics for me is one of those all-time classic rom-coms
0: i think at this point i have to admit i've not seen that but i'll add it to the list of I you gotta to see
1: music and lyrics oh my god you will not recognize hayley Bennett, enough she is it's the first feature that she i think i'm right in saying that first feature that she did she's very very young yeah in that movie i think she's like 21 and she just you just you can't believe she's not a pop star like i literally thought they'd brought an actual pop star in um
0: i'm excited i love it when i get to take a new film away or a new album or something from doing this podcast And it's been a while since there's something new suggested even though it's an older film i'm like okay music and lyrics is going to be on the list tonight
1: let me know what you think i think for me it's awesome
0: Awesome. And what's next? Because obviously this film's out there now. You'll get people talking about it. You'll get to see more response again. But what's kind of next? Have you got a project already lined up? Are you writing again? Is there something already at pre-production?
1: Yeah, I think I think yeah. I mean, you know, you've always got to, you've always got to be writing. You've always got to have ideas ready to go. You never know where the next opportunity is going to come from. Um, Generally speaking, and the (coughs) the Duplass brothers. friends of mine now uh back in i mean they've been so gracious all the mumble call lot over the years in terms of um you know that, that feels like my community uh it's people getting their friends together and, and creating creating art you know and so they've kept in touch over email but they, they said in their book actually but said to me as well is that the cavalry isn't coming you know there is no longer a situation where you make decent films um and in film four are gonna knock on your door or whoever it is you know it's like those days those days are gone you have you have there's so much more access to being able to make films there are so many more filmmakers um and and i think that's a good thing and i'm actually i'm happy about that but what it means is that you personally as a filmmaker have got to you've got to keep writing you've got to keep reminding people that you're around that you're doing your thing um and create your own opportunities that's that's generally and that's everybody that's not it doesn't matter what so-called budget level you're looking for or who you've got attached you um yeah everybody's just going to keep working hard and finding the the right group of uh circumstances right, to be able to get your film made it's still I a miracle if, i
0: think you've answered my next question so what i always like to ask is what advice do you give to anyone that's starting out or i have quite a big audience of people that listen that maybe are wanting to kind of dip their toe into the film business and I know the industry is so hard to kind of make a name for yourself and stand above the rest but I think you've answered that question pretty much you'd need to get up off your ass and literally never stop
1: yeah it is never. it is never stop um but it's it's uh I mean it's such a rewarding thing to be any kind of artist so it's not you know I'm incredibly grateful for the fact that you know when I decided to start making uh, feature films. It was ten years ago in 2012. We shot the first one, and um, you just got to keep grafting. You just got to keep keep uh, making these opportunities exist. And and generally, what that means is, is collaboration. It means you know it's not always about money. It, it's really about bringing people together, and that creative energy leads to more people knowing about what it is that you're that you're working toward, and then. You know, of course, you you can do your own research and, and send it out to people, but there's so many people that are, are wanting to get involved in in funding the right kind of projects. You know, there's it's not just the the top four five places that that people think that that's it. There's only those and that's that. It's like there's hundreds and hundreds of people that want to want to make um, cinema it's just a matter of putting in the work, you know, and nowadays with, with the internet and the resources you have available to you, um, it's never been easier to be able to, um, to find those people.
0: And my final question for you today, and I've done this on every episode of the podcast since it started is I asked the guests to pick the final piece of music that's played during the outro of the episode. So it can be any song by any band or any piece of music, but I am going to put you on the spot, Jamie. So, what is a song that you love or a piece of music that you absolutely adore that when I asked the question came to your heart or your head before anything else that you'd love to be played after today's interviews all wrapped up and out there for the world to listen to?
1: Uh, It has to be whatever by Oasis. What a tune. Yeah. I mean, just the lines, you know, you're free to be whatever, whatever you choose. You know, it's like I was in Virgin Megastore listening to that when I was, I gotta say, I reckon I was fourteen or fifteen, but um, but yeah, and I, it just spoke to me. I was looking around all these people while I was shopping. I've got that on of my ears, and I'm like, it's just all part of that energy I was talking about earlier about the mid nineties and about how it made you feel, even if you were a working class boy from a small seaside town in South Wales. It doesn't matter, you know. You can you can do whatever you want to do as long as you put your mind to it.
0: Plus, those string section at the start is incredible and inspiring. It wasn't even on an album; it was a single only
1: that's 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 the magic of oasis so arrogant just the throwing these sides out, were better even...
0: than most bands a sides unbelievable the master plan as an album from start to finish i still don't understand how stuff like talk tonight and oh. half the world away and all are uh, just b sides
1: it's like wow absolute classics and and i gotta say sam Riley does one hell of a liam gallagher impression in our movie so check it I out. i was
0: not gonna sell to anyone that <laughs> <but> yes amazing <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time. I think our paths will surely cross again in the near future. Yeah. Uh, I will take music and lyrics away from this. I'll make sure I watch it. And uh, I hope that loads of people get to see Sheer's Love. And I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more five-star reviews on IMDb and all the reviews out there, because it truly is one of the best films I've seen this year. And I mean that as 2022 as well, not only this last week. <laughs> and for chemistry, there's nothing like it. I think Haley should win every award under the sun.
1: Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate all those kind words.
0: So there it is. There's my interview with me and the amazing Jamie Adams. What a lovely guy. So open, so honest, so humble, and so easy to talk to. And I can't wait to get him back on Mark and me in the near future. As you heard us on the interview today. We've talked a lot about his brand new film, She Is Love. That film is going to be released on digital platforms on the 3rd of February or at some selected cinemas. So go and check it out. And when you do, as always, let me know what you think because I love reading the feedback. Mark and Me is a one-man team podcast and people sometimes don't understand that. Only the other day someone asked for my publicist's number or email address of my editor and I'm like, it's all me. I record it, edit it, schedule it, publish it, do all the marketing all the arranging, absolutely everything and what I ask for in return because I'll always keep this podcast free for everyone out there is for you guys just to share it because that goes a long way. If you're listening to the podcast now and you've enjoyed it why not go on Twitter and just retweet the episode. If you're on Facebook hit that share button or if you're on Instagram even just like it because it bumps it up that weird algorithm and might get some more people to take notice and see the Mark and Me updates. Mark and Me is also a podcast that is self-funded via Patreon. I rely on some people to support me, help me out and basically give me a tip. Like buying me a coffee. The link for this is on markandme.com and each and every month, thanks to the amazing guys at Richer Sounds, I have some fantastic prizes to give away. But not only that, launching only in a few days' time, there'll be exclusive episodes called The Lost Tapes, which will just be exclusive to members of my patreon so if you support me now honestly you're going to get a whole new range of exclusive episodes just for you guys some prizes some pin badges some stickers some merch and some even bigger surprises coming up in only a few weeks time and as always i'll be back with a brand new episode in only a few days time and it's the big episode 250 and i can't wait to celebrate this milestone in style so until then look after yourself Go and see Shea's Love, keep warm, be safe and I'll speak to you all very soon.